This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. Welcome into another edition of the Bar Conversations. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. We've got a lot of fun happening this summer as we kick off our 101 series and our tasting notes, and we get it all started with Spirits 101 with Jake Sollick. He goes through everything that you can think of, at least the uh, you know lower-level class. That was 101, so you get to learn a little bit about everything except bourbon and whiskey because we're saving that for September. We'll also be talking with craft beer and cocktails throughout the summer as well, so if you're not into uh, the spirit side of things, don't worry. We will have something for you, and I guarantee you, you will learn something and the tasting notes because Jake brings a lot of knowledge to the world. We also have Kelador for our conversations and don't forget to check out our Give It A Try Taste Test which drop uh, throughout the week on our social media, our YouTube page as well. You can get all those links uh, on our website, hopspirits.com, or you can just follow us at hopspirits, all one word, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. And like I said, you can check us out on YouTube as well. But let's not waste any more time and get into the show. It's almost time. Where did I, where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for Tasting Notes. Back again here with another Tasting Notes is one of my favorite people to talk with. He's the beverage director and partner with the Professors LLC, Jake Sullick. Jake, welcome back in. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on because I always feel like I learn a lot when we chat. And, you know, last year I did a, a kind of summer school series, but, you know, I figured I'd go even further. And we're just going to call this kind of the 101 series where we learn a whole lot about different things. And, and for all June, you're going to be teaching us about Spirits 101. And I'm excited for oh, kind of our <laughs> I'm excited for our first lesson because I feel like I never thought of, of how these things interact and how they're kind of part of a similar family. But gin and vodka kind of start there and. Obviously, when people think about it, if if you know any craft distillers, a lot of them, even the big boys, do a gin and a vodka because those are quicker turnarounds. They're, they don't have to age, you know, years and years like a whiskey does. Yeah. But but um, how how are they similar? How does one kind of play off the other? And and what, what can you tell me? <laughs> yeah. So traditionally, vodka and gin would be made out of grain. And so with all spirits, it kind of comes down to what is your base raw material that you're making it out of. Now, vodka can get a little bit more complicated because there's certain areas of the world that will use potatoes or you could use beet sugar. But for the sake of argument, let's just say that we're starting with a grain. So what you do is you take your raw material, whatever kind of grain it is, and you're going to ferment it. Fermentation is the process that's going to create carbon dioxide, it's going to create alcohol, and it's going to create congeners and those are your flavoring agents. After that, you're gonna distill the fermented substance. Distillation is the process that's gonna separate the alcohol that you've created from the grains from water. So with a grain-based spirit, what you're really doing is distilling that um, at least twice, sometimes three or four or more times, and the more you distill it, the more flavor you strip away with it. So what vodka is, it, most vodka starts its life in what the trade calls GNS, which is grain-neutral spirit. So you take this fermented grain that's been distilled, and you distill it over and over and over again until you get it to about 190 proof. So it's going to be, at this point, legally odorless, flavorless, and characterless. This is the base of what today we often call vodka. This will be sold and traded like a commodity. A vodka company might acquire GNS water it down to about 80 proof, bottle it, and then sell it as vodka. So pretty simple base. But what's interesting is GNS then kind of becomes a base for a lot of other spirits as well. You take GNS, 
You could macerate some herbs in it, say for example, juniper berry, redistill it a second time, and what you really have is an infused GNS, and this spirit would be called a gin. And that's like the simplest way you can go from vodka to gin. In practice, it gets a little bit more complicated because vodka can be made from potatoes or beet sugar or other spirits. And there are certain restrictions for gin depending on whether or not you're in the United States, the EU, or other parts of the world. So there are a couple other little hurdles that, that may come into play there. But in essence, they're coming from the same base spirit. And at times coming off of the same still that may have produced your favorite, uh, say, tequila, whiskey, whatever, because it's all, in a sense, the same process, at least how it all kind of works. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of nuances in distillation, uh, a lot of them based on either the country of origin or the tradition behind making that spirit. But for something like uh, vodka, gin, and a lot of those types of spirits, it's pretty pretty simple column still distillation. And, you know, when, when people think of, say, vodka and gin, that, that family, though, is bigger than that. You know, nowadays, obviously, we have, uh, w- with so much creation, there's a lot of different types of gins. Um, what, what are the two different types of gins that kind of stand out to, to you that people hear a lot of? Because I feel like there is a big difference between, say, a dry gin and a regular gin. Yeah, absolutely. Historically, the big gin category is actually Geneva. Geneva is the original gin. The, the English word itself, gin, is just a shorthand slang term for Geneva, which was developed by the Dutch in the 16-1700s. Geneva's starting to make a big comeback, uh, not just worldwide, but particularly in the United States. Bowles Geneva, they do two or three different variations, um, has been in the United States since 2007. It's a very old style of gin. Today, drinking it, it tastes more like whiskey than gin. So it's actually from a malt wine base, so it's gonna taste a lot like a whiskey that's been really lightly infused with Geneva, or excuse me, with juniper. Um, and these kinds of Genevers, they can be aged or unaged, so you'll see them both, uh, in, sort of in both variations. That's sort of the really old school style of gin. Um, by about 1900, the English were making what we call today London Dry style gin, and that's a completely different beast. That's going to be coming exclusively off of a column still, so it's going to be really highly rectified. Uh, it's going to be juniper forward. That is one of the distinguishing um, legal requirements of London Dry Gin is that its juniper has got to be the distinct characteristic of it, and it'll generally be proofed a little bit higher than gin. A lot of uh, especially American-style gins you'll grab, they might be 80 or 84 proof. London dries tend to be 90 proof or higher, so they're going to be a little bit hotter. And, and I was going to say, how, how distinct are those flavors, too? Because, say, a dry gin, what, what you're going to get compared to, say, kind of maybe something more traditional or something that just says just gin on it. For a London dry, it's going to be very juniper-forward. London dry characteristically tends to be juniper forward with um, a little bit of angelica root, sometimes some lemon or orange peel flavors in there. But juniper is always going to be the distinguishing factor. In other styles of gin, now that gin is being made all around the world, it really depends on the distiller. You don't have any legal requirements. So, for example, in Scotland, Hendrix, their gin is cucumber and rose petal forward. Um, That's something they can do. You know, you've got... um, Suntory has released Roku, which is a Japanese gin. 
the six dominant characteristics in there, the botanicals, are all traditional Japanese ingredients. So it can kind of be up to the producer. So you can have a lot of fun by finding a producer whose botanical profile you're interested in and trying their gin because it's got the kind of flavor characteristics that you're looking for. Now, you know, we also mentioned vodka. Um, for the most part, vodka tastes the same unless it's infused with something. But I guess what variations yeah. are there to that? I mean, does a lot of d- being distilled change things compared to not? And, and then obviously, like I said, at the end, it's kind of what it's infused with. Otherwise, it's, it's a vodka is a vodka. <laughs> yeah, the, with, with vodka, it's, it's weird. And if you want to get into a, a, good, a good fight in a bar on Friday night, try to tell a vodka drinker that vodka is legally tasteless because they're not going to believe you and they're not going to take it well. Um, vodka producers now in the last two years legally have been allowed to add a little bit of chemicals that can help change the flavor and, and texture of it. But really vodka comes down to texture. And you can, you can actually do this blind if, if you taste a grain-based vodka versus a potato-based vodka side by side. Uh, if you do those blind, you'll tell, you won't be able to taste a difference, but they'll, on your palate, on your tongue, one will tend to be a little bit more unctuous, a little bit rounder, a little bit softer, and that tends to be a potato-based vodka versus a grain vodka tends to be a little bit sharper. So with vodka, because it doesn't have any inherent flavor, most of the difference tends to be in the mouthfeel, the texture of it before you swallow and then, you know, as, as we wrap up kind of th- this style of, of liquor, what, what are some that kind of, you know, come off of the, of the vodka world and the gin world that are maybe similar that we would see on the shelves that we may have never thought of? Got a number of other traditional spirits. The Scandinavian countries are famous for aquavit. Aquavit is like going to be similar to a gin, only the defining characteristics of it tend to be uh, an infusion with caraway seed or maybe dill in some instances. And like New World gins, aquavit are served both unaged and aged. Uh, You even find a lot of traditional Norwegian aquavit that has been aged in former sherry butts. So in that that way, they're gonna have a lot of flavors similar to scotch, even though they're, they're made and consumed more like a traditional gin. I, I, I love to learn all this because like, like we were talking before I hit the record button, it's amazing the, the farther down the rabbit hole you go, how, how some of these spirits are so related, but yet so different. And, and it's, it's a, a cool thing to hear. It is. It is. It's a really fascinating subject. Well, and we'll have more Spirits 101 all month long. We'll be talking brandy, rum, Mexican spirits, and Jake. I appreciate this as always. Thanks, Jonathan. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopSpirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations, he's the singer-songwriter. Her latest single, newest single, Happy Again, is out now. Calador, welcome in. Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm playing a show soon and, you know, just kind of getting ready for that. So been busy in my corner, but I'm doing well. <laughs> that, that is good to hear. Now, you know, this is called Bar Conversations. I always like to ask, some people have an alcoholic drink, some don't. Are you drinking the heavy stuff or the light stuff tonight? Extra light. I've got some <laughs> smart water. <laughs> um, I'm just, you know, prepping my vocals, getting ready. So... 
water, room temperature water is always a good option. What about you? Do you you have a good drink with you tonight? I do because you know you're out in out in California, correct? Am, am I right on that? Yeah. I, I decided to bring back a from from the Pacific, a little rod and hammers, slow Ooh, stills. So. There you go. And it's it's cut with the Pacific Ocean too, is what they like to say. They go I actually go out there and pick up some Pacific Ocean water to cut it. Really, that's a nice touch. That's it, very cool. It is now. Now, do you? You know, I know some artists. You know, they they like to warm up those vocals with a shot of whiskey. I'm guessing that's not you if you're behaving yourself with some water. <laughs> but do you enjoy, you know, an occasional drink or anything like that? You know, I actually do not drink. I I'm very, you know, straight straight edge. I guess you could say <laughs> it's a it's a personal decision. But um, I I definitely do love myself like a good um like mango peach orange juice from trader joe's or or something really fruity yeah nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that i i, I forgot i asked the one she wasn't 21 yet so i was like i'm not gonna oh. put you on the spot i was like so what's your favorite not because like for me i have a guilty pleasure or a bad probably a bad habit of going with coke zero that's also what i like to mix my guilty pleasure of yep. you know a, a, a cheap whiskey and some coke zero so you know, there you there's go. nothing wrong with a little little, little uh, fruit juice that that brings some some good taste. And you know, I, I know in addition to being a singer and a songwriter, you're you're also a model, I believe. I mean, how how does all of this work? And do you just are you just busy all the time? You know, it actually it it's kind of funny because I started out modeling when I knew I wanted to get into music because I thought it would be a good way to learn how to you know, brand myself better, but also just modeling is another form of creative expression, you know, learning how to communicate with your body, with your facials and all of that. So, um, it's, it's a good balance. I currently am freelance modeling and really focused more on my music, but it's definitely good to, you know, get the chance to model when it happens. Now, when you say, you know, work on those expressions, I mean, have, do you put those to good use when, when you're performing songs to, you know, let the facial uh, vibes go? Yeah, you know, I've learned a lot because I have this thing called jazz face. Have you heard of this? <laughs> no, I've heard of other different types of faces. I have not heard of jazz face. <laughs> so my producer was telling me about this, and it's essentially when you're getting like so into the music that you just kind of like scrunch your face, and I totally totally do that when I perform and when I sing and so modeling has helped me kind of like rein that in and and kind of channel like okay you know how am I communicating with with my face beyond just like scrunching it up so it's something that I have to remind myself of because there's a fine balance of you know getting into the music but also uh, being a performer right and interacting with the audience although there isn't something good about when someone just loses himself in the music and you just let it go yeah, yeah. There definitely are moments. I think if I were to do it a whole song, people would get kind of annoyed, though. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe like the right note or, you know, the right chorus, let it all out. Well, and, and you you kind of mentioned, you know, you, you got into music kind of here recently or at least kind of taking it that next step. You know, what did you do before you, you, you took that, that dive into the, the music world? Yeah, so... I started songwriting from a very young age and, you know, really loved music, took vocal lessons, was in choirs and theater. Um, but once I, you know, made the transition into adulthood, I started to take more of a practical route. And I, I kind of hit this turning point where I was like, you know, I'm just going to do 
the practical thing. I'm going to study economics and get a good job out of college. <laughs> um, and so that's what I did. And, you know, there is definitely this love for business that I have inside of me. But after a while, I noticed like just commuting to work, I started to feel like this itch and this craving to just create music and not just writing it in my bedroom and sharing it to my friends and family, but really like sharing this more deeply and, and in a more intentional way. Um, so yeah, then I, I kind of made the decision to just start doing it more, writing more, working with producers. I made a lot of really crappy demos <laughs> um, until I, I kind of found my my current producer. In fact, um, someone on his team reached out to me and, and we kind of hit it off. And um, it led me to where I am, where now I'm able to release the kind of music that I've always wanted to release. Well, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit because I do enjoy it because there's a lot of storytelling to that. But, you know, you, you mentioned you're out in California now. I don't believe you've always lived there and you kind of took a chance to move out there. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually grew up in Denver. Um, I lived in Florida for a little bit as well. And I, I loved living in Denver. I think it's such a good place to grow up. Um, but I think it just kind of hit a point where it just felt natural to take the next step. And I, I had started working with my producer remotely and, you know, just a lot of things kind of happened, like not coincidentally, but just like kind of spiraled step by step to where it just made sense to go to Los Angeles. And frankly, I never really pictured myself living out in Los Angeles because <laughs> it seemed like such a far fetched thing. Um, one of the things that kind of helped me get into it was, um, Sorry, I think I just had someone trying to get into my room. <laughs> I was like checking the door. <laughs> um, I'm actually at a hotel right now, so that's why I'm like a little nervous. About it. <laughs> well, fingers anyway, crossed it was wrong. Room. <laughs> fingers crossed. I know. Um, anyway, so um, where was I? Oh, I listened to another podcast called And the Writer Is. And somebody on there, just they were talking about songwriters. And um, they said, you know, you've got to be in L.A. to to do this seriously. Like it's where things are happening. So, you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind. And, um, I just started kind of changing my, my mindset to be like, you know what, why am I holding myself back? Like, I just, I've got to do it. And because I had been already working with a producer, um, it just, it was the right timing. Well, and you know, now, now things are, are moving forward with you. You've got, you know, two singles that are, that are out and about, but you know, when you're not producing music, I, I feel like according to your social media, I think I know where you like to go and spend some time and that might be at the beach, but is that, kind of, <laughs> is that kind of what you do? Is that wherever you will find you when you're not at the studio or, or what are you doing these days? You know, that's funny. You notice that because the beach is my happy place. Um, like I, I kind of mentioned before I lived in Florida for a little bit and all of my family is from Florida. Like that's where my roots are. That's where my parents were born and raised. Um, so yeah, the beach is definitely my happy place. Um, I also have a cute little dog. And so my husband and I like to take her out onto the park or, you know, there's lots of little parks around LA. So um, at the beach or out under the sun, just getting some nice vitamin D. Now you, you said you, you know, you lived in Denver. I mean, do you miss the snow? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, there might come a time where I miss the seasons. But currently my plan is if I just go take like a little weekend trip to go snowboarding 
a couple times. I think that will satisfy my need for snow. <laughs> and enjoy the 70 degree uh, lows uh, yes. and, and the cold season there out on the Pacific coast. Now, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned you kind of grew up, you loved music kind of all your life. What was there something that kind of pulled you into music or that like was the, the kickoff for you or, you know, how did, how did you get into it? You know, that's a good question. I think it was something that just always was kind of natural to me. Um, my sister, who's actually a year and a half older, so we're super close in age, close friendship. Um, we would sing together a lot and we did, you know, fun little recitals. We'd have duets and, it, it was just something that we really enjoyed doing together. Um, my mom, she was a performer. She did theater and she was actually a baton twirler. So she would do like the fire batons and all of that. So I think there was a little bit of that kind of like performance um, influence, but really it was just like something that was always inside of me that just spoke to me. Well, and then, you know, for, for those that, you know, might be hearing you for the first time or, or coming across your music for the first time, how would you describe it? Because I know that's a loaded question to an artist because it's very personal and <laughs> no one wants to be saying I'm this or that. But I mean, how would you describe kind of your style of music? Yeah, I think right now I'm, I'm definitely still exploring my sound. My first single, Fool for the Pain, is very kind of gothic and kind of dark pop, kind of just like mysterious and a little intense. Um, whereas Happy Again is a lot more like tropical, upbeat. So I, I really enjoy kind of exploring those things. But I would say maybe the common thread is emotional and um, I'm a storyteller. I was going to say, now, are you, would your husband say you're emotional all the time or just when you're writing and getting it out there to perform? Or shall we um, plead the fifth and move on? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm an emotional person. I'm happy to, I mean, I'm a songwriter. I think any songwriter is inherently very much in touch with their emotions. So I'm happy to admit that. Yeah, I'm, I'm an emotional person, but I, I think truly most people are. And I think that if anyone says they're not emotional, that maybe they're just, blocking that part of themselves out or they're just not in touch with that side as much um but i think it's a balance you know we're all kind of navigating the the head versus the heart mm -hmm. that, that, that is that is very true now what what music did you grow up on i mean what were some of the artists that that you love listening to or, and still maybe even use as influences today number one i would say shania twain that was like she was the one that my parents would play. We'd just listen to her on repeat. She was probably the first artist that I like memorized every single song on her albums too. Um, but kind of as I got a little bit older, I would say Katy Perry definitely had a big influence. Um, now evolving to artists like John Bellion and Julia Michaels, where really like those artists that have good storytelling with a powerful message and a twist of, you know, commercial pop. <laughs> um, those, those are the artists that I really resonate with. Well, and, and you touched on this, your, your new single happy again has kind of an interesting vibe. What, what drew you to that song? And, and can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So the song starts out as kind of like an observation where it's an observation of these kind of lovebirds out by the dock. Like, We've all been there where, you know, you're somewhere and there's a couple that's just like 
extreme PDA. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I remember a time in my life where I was going through really devastating heartbreak and um, my sisters were trying to console me and they had partners at the time. They're like, Hey, come over, like come swim with us. So I was like, okay, I'll come over and swim with you guys and your men, you know, and we get there and they're happy. They're in love. And I was just devastated. And it was like so heart wrenching to be in that situation where I was just like, Oh, this is what it feels like to have lost a great love. And I think most people have gone through that or will go through that at some Mm -hmm. point in their life. And so happy again is kind of an interesting song because it kind of starts out with this observation, moves through this devastating heartbreak, but it's still really boppy and fun and light. Um, But if you listen to the lyrics, it's, it's a little desperate and sad. Well, and then you you mentioned too, it feels like that is a little bit of a, uh, a pivot, so to speak from um, full for the pain what what drew you to that that song and how how did that one come about? So funny story when I was in, I want to say it was like maybe tenth grade in high school. Uh, we read a book called The Things We Carry, and it's about the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a laughing topic, but it's funny that like this was part of my inspiration. Um, and I ended up writing a paper about just kind of like the things that we carry in life. And, and I started reflecting on, you know, some experiences that some very close family members went through um, with with abuse and with some really, you know, hard, hard relationship things. Um, and so like this idea was just kind of like sitting in my head, honestly, for years. And um, the first lyric that came to my mind was hat on eyes down and a little bit of blood on her blue nightgown. That's the opening line. And I loved just kind of like the the image and the picture that that painted. And I knew that we could take it somewhere really cool. So we started out with this kind of like visual and then we built the rest of the song off of that. And and I was going to say, I mean, are are these sounds, you kind of touched on it a little bit beforehand where you're still in a sense kind of finding exactly the, the space you you want to you know encompass but i mean is are the songs like this though where a lot of your writing and, and stuff goes these days yeah you know i i'm working on a lot in the studio so i think you'll continue to hear more um you know more stuff as it comes out i think for me like if i write a song and it makes me cry I'm like, okay, it's good enough. <laughs> like if I, <laughs> if I get emotional in this process, like I said, I am an emotional person. Um, that to me is like the check mark of, okay, we're going somewhere good. Um, so I would say, you know, I'm really excited about where my sound is headed and I'm excited to keep exploring it. And I think there's, there's some, a little bit of something for everyone, you know, some people might resonate more with kind of the gothic dark cool mysterious pop and some people might like the beachy islandy vibes and that's cool too and but i i feel like there is one thread between them and that is the storytelling and and you 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 said this too you know it's got that pop vibe to it but you don't always hear as much storytelling with that pop vibe yeah is that something that you love so much Going back to kind of Shania Twain, I think I grew up on a lot of country music, which does tend to have more of that storytelling element. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, a big goal of mine with my music is just to connect with people and to help people know that they're not alone in some of these experiences or some of these hard things or these struggles that we go through. And so 
Um, I just think it personalizes it. And, and I love music that's personal. And so that's the kind of music that I want to write. And um, it's, it's definitely tricky sometimes to go, okay, you know, how much storytelling do we have versus how generic do we make this? Because, you know, pop can, pop can be generic, but I think it's an art. It's an art to capture something that's, you know, casting a wide net, but also specific enough to paint a picture. Well, and and you said you know you pull from personal experiences. I mean, do do does ev- is everything personal when you're you're writing, or is it sometimes just an idea that maybe from someone else or something like that? I mean, how does that process go for you? Yeah, so um, I co-write at least you know the songs I have released. I've co-written with my producer Brett Pemberton. He's very talented, um, and something we say is like nobody is safe in the writer's room. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, we like our own experiences are on the table, friends, experiences, friends of friends. And so, you know, sometimes we'll just kind of pick like a topic or an idea or just like a, a truth that we want to explore. And then we just start kind of throwing out all of these different experiences, stories, could be from a book, you know, like the things we carry. That was something I had mentioned. So, um, Every lyric might be inspired by something different, but there's truth in every lyric. And, and is it weird? Because I've, I've asked others this because, you know, some, sometimes when you're sharing things, uh, you know, depending on where you've come from, you know, as some of the country guys I've talked to, it's a small town. It's not hard to figure out who maybe they were talking about. But, you, you <laughs> know, but I mean, but like for you, I mean, if you're sharing some some personal things, whether it's past in the family, is it sometimes weird to share that with others or is it kind of just a, a good outlet as well? I think it's a little bit of both. I think good music is vulnerable. And in fact, I have noticed, you know, in releasing some of my songs, like some of the things that I've written about are things that I haven't even really talked to my family about, you know, things that just, I'm not like, Hey mom, Hey dad, guess what I went through (laughs) and I love them. But you know, but I will say like with my music coming out, it has opened the door for those conversations and has also opened the door for just acceptance and, um, compassion. And I think that's really beautiful. You know, a lot of times we listen to music and it's just in our headphones and we kind of have that moment, like all to ourselves. And I want to, I want to give that to people. Like I want to give that moment to people who aren't ready to talk about it, to be able to put in their headphones and like process it in their own way. And two, to realize they're not alone and, and that someone else is, has shared this story and most likely many others. Now, you, you've got the two singles. You've talked about being in the studio some more. Um, debut EP coming out this year. What can you tell me that won't get you in trouble? And, uh, <laughs> or or, or what, what, are, what are the plans looking like, I guess, at the moment? Yeah, no, I definitely can say I have more music coming. Um, my plan is maybe to release a couple more singles maybe that uh, do roll into an EP. So I'm, I'm happy to share that and I'm excited (laughs) about it. Like I want to share it because I'm so excited. I I haven't released, you know, other song titles or anything like that, but I've definitely been in the studio and um, I am performing at NAMM 2022. And I, I think by the time this airs, I will have already performed, but I will be sharing some of my unreleased music. So if anyone gets a chance to see me live, they might hear some of my unreleased stuff before it comes out. I was going to say, I mean, when you get to perform, what, what, what is that like besides going the jazz face? I mean, what's that like for for you (laughs) and, and being able to, to get out on stage? I love 
like you mentioned earlier, the connection, like connecting with an audience live, there's nothing like it. It's a little bit nerve wracking at times. But for me, like once I'm on the stage, it's like, this is my gift that I'm giving to you. Like this is, I'm here to give, I'm here to share. And I think that makes it a little less intimidating. Um, But also you can kind of get a feel for, you know, what do people like? What are they resonating with? And as an artist, it really forces me to have the discipline to just improve and get better and rehearse. And um, you, you can't get that in the studio. That, that that is very true, and um, you know when you're sharing the, those songs with folks that you maybe haven't released yet, what's that feedback like? And did did you ever maybe tweak it a little bit before it, it hits the uh, you know the the final uh, recording? Yeah, absolutely. I think I tend to like to sit on songs. You know, once I think they're finished, it's like, was well, it really finished? <laughs> so I'll kind of sit on it myself. I'll I'll share it with people. Um, whether that's people in the industry that I trust and get feedback from them or, you know, friends or family. And I think, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, like artists have to own their art and it has to be what you want it to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, there have definitely been times like I can think of a song right now that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on it. And as I've been listening, it's like, you know, I think I want to add a couple more vocal riffs or I I think I want to add this thing because I don't want to go back and go, oh, I regret not voicing that (laughs) idea. There there is something to that. I I know talking to, um, oh, I'm going to draw a blank here on on his name. Uh, Let me look it up. Lane Smith, he said, you know, even right before he went to record, one of his producer or guitar guys was just like, how about we flip the first and the second verse? Mm. And lo and behold, at the last second, and it was genius. So you never know when that, cool. that inspiration will come uh, yeah. to, to have that. And, and as, as I kind of wrap things up here, you can find more on Kel at kelador.com. You can find her on social media as well. Now, I guess I, I have two questions because I'm guessing I could be wrong, but Kelador, is that your real name? <laughs> it it is a stage name but it is also my real name it's it's uh derived from my real name so kel is my nickname that everyone called me growing up that i was close to like anyone who was super super close to me called me kel and so i decided to go by kel because it's kind of an invitation into like my inner circle and and to the closest people um and then adore you know I mean I have a whole story behind that but uh, you know it's it's pretty for one um, it, it ties into my middle name secondly and also this is so random but you know as you're going through like your artist <laughs> name you're like throwing out all these things and I heard I think from like the author of Lord of the Rings I don't know I could be wrong on that but they said that cellar door is the most beautiful word in the English language Celador, and that's how they came up with like Celador, the place in Lord of the Rings. And Kelador has the same kind of rhyme to it, you know, the same kind of flow. And so I just, I felt like it was very me, very fitting, um, and still like true to who I am. Well, and and I like the 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 
unintentional plug of your inner circle, which is, I think, what your fan club and and and, and grouping list is, is, is that people can follow along for more. So I, I love that. That is that personal touch. And you know, as, as you know, twenty twenty continues on. We're about halfway through the years. We're we're talking, and when this drops, it'll be even a little closer to that. But what are, what are you hoping for the rest rest of the year, and, and hoping to accomplish? Yeah, I have so much I want to accomplish. I'm such a like goal setter, go getter kind of person. Um, but I would say right now my main focus is, you know, finishing what will become my EP and also getting out and performing live. Um, you know, I'm, I think now with hopefully fingers crossed the pandemic kind of settling down and, and live shows starting up again, it's the perfect time to get out there. So um, it's fun. I, you know, I was able to share a little acoustic version on my Instagram of one of my songs and that's not a side of me I've shared as much. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of the produce stuff, so it'll be fun to go live and share more of that acoustic stuff um, just in person. So I'm excited. Well, that, that does sound exciting and the storytelling will continue. I, I love to see that. Like I said, I, I love that with, with the lyrics that, that you've put out. And Kel, I appreciate you taking time and, and sharing a little bit of, of what's going on in your journey with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, Jonathan. It was a pleasure and hope you enjoy the rest of your drink tonight. I will do my best. I'm, I might have to get a refill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shame in that.